Hello, this is Boot Pit to Boardroom, a podcast about opportunity in agriculture. I'm Dustin Toberman, longtime ag veteran and founder of Omni Ag Consulting. And my name is Nick. I produce the podcast and usually ask the questions. Today, I'm going to take a little bit of a back seat because Brittany Botts has joined us to talk about recruiting for a new generation in agriculture. Brittany is the owner and principal of Cobblefield LLC an independent consultant focused on facilitating digitization and process improvement in the agriculture industry. Brittany has an accomplished track record in agriculture. She spent time as VP of product for Demeter Logistics, a startup developer of digital trade and logistics tools for the ag industry, and 11 years with Bungie North America in a variety of key roles. So Brittany, welcome to Boot Pit to Boardroom. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Dustin. Really excited to be with you both today and, and talking about recruiting. And and Brittany, we're we're thrilled to have you. You know, Nicholas said we discussed before when we started talking about guests and, and particularly this topic. Uh, it, I was I was excited to to have the opportunity to have Brittany join us because having worked with her and and seeing you know how she reacts and uh, and, and interacts to to young people uh, when we work together, I I, I think she's going to bring some great perspective to this. You know, Brittany was always someone that when we were going through interviewing that I always wanted to get her feedback. And so that's why I'm, I'm excited to have her on today and with the topic of, of not only recruiting, but specifically re- recruiting for this next generation. And, and, and here's why I think it's, it's so important. Uh, as Nicholas says, as we've talked, you know, in so many of our other podcasts, you know, the agribusiness is, is, is like any other business, you know, since, since the pandemic, we suffer from the great resignation. You know, we're hearing terms like quiet quitting a lot. Uh, there's, Nobody in ag that I talk to that doesn't say help when it comes to people. Uh, the, the job market is, is as competitive as ever. And that's why it's so important for those doing the recruiting and the interviewing out there and, and trying to find that top level talent, you know, to make sure that they keep their organization stocked, that they're doing it right. And there's, there's been a shift. And I think it's something that we need to identify. And so that's why I'm really excited to have Brittany join us today, because like I said, I, I think she's going to have a, 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 an interesting perspective on that. So Brittany, again, happy to have you here. And I, I guess I'd like to start off by saying, you know, you and I go back probably almost 10 years having worked together and, and worked alongside one another. And as I mentioned, I've always felt like you were somebody who was, uh, you know, just really connected to the younger talent to get in. And I'd like to just hear, you know, kind of your opinion on the shift and when did you start to see it and what is it looking like right now? Yeah. So it's been really interesting. So I started to sh- see a shift and, and actually my uh, capstone project for grad school actually focused around um, retention efforts and and specifically benefits. At that point, everybody was talking about millennials, what they needed to keep them in the workforce and uh, keep them entertained and happy. And so it's been, an, I would say, a, a constant underpin uh, to the recruiting efforts since probably at least 2016 that I've been aware of. But then you've, you've definitely done, as you printed out, seen an acceleration in the widening of kind of value offerings that uh, an employee is looking for when they're entering the job market. So whether that's a new college grad or somebody that like myself, honestly, in the last couple of years, that's taken or been able to take the opportunity to step back and, and really survey the landscape and evaluate what's important to me personally, as well as professionally, because I, you know, entered the job market in 2010 myself. Uh, I had some advice from some older siblings and and other people in the industry that when you stop saying yes, they stop asking. And so, you know, you just keep keep your head down and work hard and eventually it'll all pay off. And I think a lot of people 
maybe have have done that and haven't reaped the rewards um, from that or, or received the expected benefits of that kind of work culture. And also, I think a lot of young people today are seeing, especially with social media, the different types of work and, and, and different work environments that are available out there. And it's really causing them to reevaluate what's available to them and what's important to them. Because some people, money is the most important thing. But some people, it's being able to be home and pick their kids up from school. And some people, you know, want to try to see, you know, where where that tipping point is. This term that I really came across that I, that I enjoy. And some people don't like it because it, it, it harkens to kind of some of the hustle culture. But I've seen it for quite a while is this concept of work-life integration versus work-life balance. Because especially with technology, it's very incredibly hard to say, you know, this is the shutoff time. This is when I'm done. And balance always implies that to to give, you have to get or get, give, you know, that there's always something that has to fail. And in some cases, you can't have everything all at once, right? They're like, that's a very real thing. But in this integration sense, it's being able to run out, um, you know, especially with a flexible work schedule, being able to run out and run some errands if you don't have meetings or it's uh, you know, answering a, uh, an emergency work call at 7 p.m. Uh, because that's needed from the business and and having that kind of flex in your day to day. You bring up something, I think, Brittany, that's so important. And, you know, we when we talk, one of the things that I get asked a lot of times from, you know, the companies, the clients that I have is they they ask me, you know, what has changed out there? And I think that's probably one of the hardest things for those doing the interviewing is to grasp is that there's been this huge shift uh, you mentioned it, priorities, right? So I, I think about I, I go back to my own my own experiences, and I and I I came into ag just a little bit before you, and I can re, I can recall my my interviewing, right, and what that was like, and I went on a lot of interviews because I got turned down by a lot of people coming out of school, and and I can remember you know going through the motions and 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 being so just on edge and and really trying to please you know, the, the company that I was interviewing for and trying to be everything that they wanted me to be. But you mentioned something about priorities and how, how they shifted. You know, I was just glad in my generation to get the call. You know, I felt privileged that they even took the time to, to email me back or call me, but talk to me a little bit about the priorities and how they've changed and kind of some of the specifics that you're seeing different, you know, now versus even when you came into the business, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and I've also been fortunate, especially in the last couple of years and in, in the shift in my business, been able to also see a different kind of flip on the business as well, that it's not just recruiting in ag, but recruiting in general. Um, wow. After spending the last two years involved in bringing around new team members in the developer space or in that tech space. But, and and so it's not unique uh, to ag. Uh, and, and that's kind of, it's comforting and discomforting at the same time. But the the priorities are, and strictly from from my frame of reference as well, of having an always on an always on call job. Um, that that's that's not suitable for a lot of people anymore. It's not suitable for myself anymore. <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, and having you know having those roles that oh you got to put in your time and you got to you know do all the grunt work. And I think a lot of folks are saying, okay, well, why do I have to do the grunt work? Why isn't this automated? Uh, why is this safer? Why is, you know, this is a more efficient. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that are just asking those why things. But then also, I think the the industry, specifically in the grain space, is relied for a long time on rotational training programs. And I think there's a lot of benefit in them in getting, you know, folks, uh, especially new to the business or 
whether new to the industry in total, maybe they didn't grow up in ag because that's another thing that we've got to talk about is looking outside of, you know, traditional uh, streams of, of recruitment. If you really want to have, you know, true diversity and, and equity in the business, but that's a whole other thing. But you have these people that maybe the rotational programs were to harden back to the name of this podcast, sticking them in the boot pit and, you know, teaching them some humility. And I think that a lot of folks just will not tolerate that. The, I, just to just stop you right there, I, I, I tell you what, you nailed it because one of the things that I look at specifically is, you know, I, I work with a lot of companies that, that we seem to be struggling to fill the positions uh, directly related to a facility. And that's where a long time ago, I, I can tell you what I broke in, right? I spent much more time outside than I did inside. And you, you worked a, you were available seven days a week. It didn't matter if you had, you know, family, family holidays or, or birthdays or whatever, whatever the occasion was, you know, you were on call. And if you weren't available, you were really looked down upon. And one of the things yes. that I've noticed is when I talk to students today, I, I hear a word, it doesn't matter what position you're going for, uh, you know, with what company, the word is time. And you've mentioned that a couple of times. And I, and I think that that is so important that people today that are doing their recruiting realize how much value candidates they are placing on their time. And you, and you just mentioned that. And a thing about time as well is that a lot of these positions are coming in salaried. And so right. that you have folks that are college educated or, or higher coming into these positions, having to work a 60 hour week. And they're saying, gee, gosh, if I'm getting paid 70, 80, whatever thousand dollars um, in a starting role for these facilities, but I'm working 60 hours a week. Don't do the math on, on a per hour rate because you're going to get depressed. Um, and and I think that there's a lot of people that are looking at that, that, okay, well, I could work this, this salary job. And, and once upon a time, you know, folks were, okay, you go for the job, that's that salary, you work there, they have the pension, they take care of you. And that's just not the case anymore. And so I think people are doing the calculus and saying, okay, well, I could have a, this 60 hour job at this rate, or I could have maybe at a lower salary rate, something that's a strict 40 and do my side hustle, you know, do my, you know, my dropship program that everybody wants right. to talk about on, on how you make, you know, your little extra money off, off the internet. And so I think that people see that and they're putting that money together. And I think a lot of people don't mind doing a little work when they're the one that's receiving the benefit from the work versus kind of toiling away. And they're like, and I think some people too, that's like, oh, well, I might get a bonus. Cool. That's also based on this incredibly complex matrix that I have no understanding of how it actually comes to be and only have like a small fraction of influence on whether I actually receive that or not. So I think that there's a lot of things that play right there. And then not to mention too, like that there's, you know, the cost of living that some people are like, oh, well, you could live like a king in, in Southern Arkansas. It's like, yeah, but then I have to live in Southern Arkansas. And so I think that some some people see that and they, they want the creature comforts and and maybe not move too far from home or their friends or, you know, their, their, whatever their nuclear support system is anymore. At you know, least every I, six to nine months, like it has been in the past. Yeah. Because that's traditionally, that's been a big part of the ag business, right? Is, is that relocation schedule. And that's something that, again, I, this is why I think that this topic is, is really important. You know, uh, re recruiting is always important, but I feel like more than ever, we're, we're playing for keeps, you know, the, the, the market is so aggressive 
that you've really got one chance to get the, you know, to get it right, or you're going to be losing the top talent. And so you want to be known as a company that's taking all these things in, into consideration. And I think that for those companies out there that aren't aware that this shift has taken place and they're not aware that, you know, candidates are not what they once were, you're, you're at a disadvantage. And that's why it's really important. And I'm, and I'm glad that we can be here today to try to educate. That's the whole purpose of this is to let you know, look, the companies that don't make these changes that are, that might be dismissing the fact that, Hey, you know, uh, candidates, you know, aren't necessarily looking for the things that they always were. Uh, I, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, we, we talked specifically about compensation and while, you know, it's always going to be important. Clearly I can tell you from the candidates that I talked to, you know, it might've moved down to three, four or five on the list as opposed to being one or two. Absolutely. And that's something that I don't think that we, we should dismiss, right? As you mentioned, candidates today are willing to sacrifice some of that compensation in whatever form, whether it's a bonus or base or whether it's, uh, you know, some type of, of pension to have the time today. They're, they're placing, you know, more emphasis on the value of time, the value of free time that they have to go out and live their lives. And, and I think in a way too, I hear some companies talk about, well, this is a negative thing. You know, they start to question work ethic, which that's a whole other topic that we can get into. But I think also in a way that it makes companies stronger. Brittany, how do you feel about that? Absolutely. I, and I think there's there's a strengthening that comes from it. But I think they also have to work, like think strategically about their employee base and and really put the action where their values are. So a lot of companies will say that, their employees are their greatest asset, but they're the greatest value. Well, if you are questioning the work ethic of an employee that's not willing to work more than 40 hours a week, you are then implying that uh, the value of the business is built off the free labor of your employees. So then, yeah, they are your greatest asset because your greatest asset, you're getting at a discount to the market. You know, um, and, and, and so and that I, I, could be a little bit of a controversial topic, but I think that's something that people today are like, they're getting a little more wise to that. And look, I'm, I've been a big, probably a uh, person that's worked my more than my fair share and, and had to, to look in the mirror and reevaluate. And that's my inclination is to just keep working and, and work harder. But I think that we should really reexamine, you know, that, that work ethic kind of conversation, um, as it relates to hours. And also number of hours does not equate to value or leverage really in any way. I can just sit here point. and twiddle my thumb for 40 hours. But when I'm engaged in the work that I'm doing, when I'm excited about the difference that I get to make in both my organization and the broader like world, because that's the thing, like ag you're feeding the world. People want to have purpose in their work. Ag can hit on that bigger and better than anyone. And so when I'm engaged, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more in the time that I have. And so I think this like calculation of just like hours worked is outdated as well. You know, it, it, it's, I, I often draw on my own experiences and I think back to, you know, again, when I came up in the, in the system and the ag, you know, we still had a lot of those, you know, older generation. I, I think ag was yep. a very traditional old school business. And I can tell you that, that I was one of those people that felt like if you didn't show that you were willing to be at your job 24 seven, it was a sign of weakness and it was often dealt with, with, you know, maybe even punishment that there's a, I'm still to this day, I tell the story to a lot of the younger people that I talk to when talking about this subject of work-life balance. My daughter was born. I was in Iowa at the time. My daughter was born at one thirty in the morning. I was at the office before seven o'clock. Uh, my, my mother and father-in-law still haven't forgiven me for that, but they had to, to, to come up from St. Louis and actually uh, go home and, and take care of my, my wife and daughter because I was at the office because 
you know, at the time it was expected. And I felt like that's what I needed to do in my career. And, and, you know, all the, all the examples you bring up are showing that, you know, trying to expect that from today's candidates, today's recruits, it's not going to fly. And I think you bring up, that's such a compelling offering. And I thank you for sharing that story too, because I think when you mentioned how compensation of, of just salary is probably number three now on, on the list of, of, of importance, you want to know it's very much creeping up the list. What, what kind it? of paternal leave, yeah. uh, parental leave. And so then we're also looking at not, not, oh, well, cause a lot of companies also don't have paid maternal leave, which right. is a crime in my opinion. Um, but I would agree. Uh, but, but that, you know, what, what just parental leave does an organization have? And so people are using that as, okay, especially as we see much more kind of equitable domestic partnerships out there, how, how are people being able to, to use these programs to help their spouse and so that they can, uh, in your instance, not have to be forced to go back to work, whether in actuality or just in culture. And that's the other thing. Having having the offering is one thing. Having the culture that supports utilizing is a whole other thing. But you you have to have it offered to be able to shift the culture to be comfortable in taking the the benefit as well. But that that's one of those things, Justin, that is really coming up there is and again, time is how can I have time with my family? And also having a broader set of this construct of, of paternal leave and not just that you naturally had your own child. Um, in in fostering adoption and, and kind of uh, support in in those kind of realms as well. You know, and it's it's something that and, and I admit I, I don't have the answer yet, but it's something that uh, I try to talk with candidates about about the you know just the idea of being flexible. You know what that looks like in an ag space. I think is going to be specific to you know whatever company and whatever job duty you have. But yeah, you know, that's something that I that I really try to impress upon teams is that you've got to find a way to be flexible because the old ways are, are not going to fly in the new way, and 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 you're not going to attract the kind of candidates that we're really looking for that that I think can can change our our industry you know for the better. And so yeah. it, it's such a great topic that we're having. I want to get specifically into kind of the the interview, and I think about the interview, and I as I mentioned before, I I've been through so many of them, but I when I think about specifically about ag interviews. And I, and I think I've said this to Nichols before on other topics that I, I think it's the worst game of poker ever played. I, I, I question whether or not we really truly get to understand people. And I think in today's world with, with recruits, you know, uh, you know, longing for these things that were these things that we're talking about, like, you know, time and flexibility and the importance of family and yeah. work-life balance. I think it's more important than ever that we dig deep, you know, deeper than what did my internship like? What was my GPA? What, you uh-huh. know, what ag school did I go to? So if that's something that I want to talk about today versus, you know, the old days is that I think that this is an opportunity to show the candidates what you're all about. I think that at one time, you know, when we, when I was interviewing coming up, I was trying to impress them, but I would even say that it's gone, it's, it's kind of uh, done a total reversal that this is the opportunity and maybe the one and only shot that companies get to really show a candidate, hey, I'm all these things that you're looking for because you might not get another opportunity. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I think there there's two things. One, it's it's the availability of information. So now a candidate can pre-screen a company better than ever before with things like Glassdoor and, and other kind of blind ratings uh, on an organization. So you can get a pretty good sense of a company's culture by reading some of those reviews. Granted, right. It's a review base, and so people 
generally only want to say something when it's negative. So you have to balance that. But yes. that, um, so there's that component, but exactly what you said that, that candidates are, are reviewing. And so I think interview panels or, or individuals can really take a new opportunity and have like a real conversation. And, and I know people roll their eyes at behavioral questions, but I think they're more important than ever. You know, show a candidate when they come in, don't let the first question be, you know, walk me through your resume. You have their resume, read it, ask thoughtful questions from it. Ask about their hobbies or how they spend their time. Ask about totally them as agree. a person. And then also, you know, as you're rolling through that, what are you looking for? Are you looking in your mind's eye of, can you imagine them at an elevator? Because I'm going to tell you right now, that's a biased thought and you need to get away from that. But you need to talk through, okay, is this person coachable? That's the biggest thing because you could have the smartest person in the room, but if they know they're the smartest person in the room, they're not going to learn anything more, especially not from you. So like, that's what you have to evaluate is I would take a hundred hard workers that know nothing about the industry and want to learn and want to do better, a lot of better themselves over the, the five, you know, top of their class, but know it that know that they are. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's something that I, I hope we start to see this shift in getting away from, as you mentioned, just some of the, you know, uh, softball questions that we ask, like, tell me more about your GPA or tell me about a time you failed when really getting to know a candidate and what moves them, right? Talk to me about your drive. Are you humble? Do you have empathy, right? Are you someone that my team can connect with? You know, can we communicate on a, on a personal level? Can we, is it not awkward to be in an elevator with you, right? These, is this someone that I want to go to a beer or, or go to a barbecue and have a beer with? These are the things that I think that we need to get down and really connect with the, the candidates. And I think that candidates, they are looking for more of that personal connection. I, I can tell you from, you know, 25 years ago, I, I wasn't even considering what I'd be hanging out with a boss because that wasn't something that we did. It was all about be a workhorse for me drive yourself into the ground, sacrifice everything, and, and maybe I'll promote you, right, if, if I'm happy with your performance. And today, there's got to be that connection. I think that one of the things that, that companies are missing out, if a candidate leaves, if a recruit says, you know, you're not for me, you've failed somewhere along the way to make that personal connection. And I think it's so important. So so many of the things that you brought up, I think these are the things that recruiters need to focus on when you're doing these interviews. And I think too, on the point of, of that personal connection, I want to open it up and, and challenge a little more. I'm like, when would I hang out with you outside of work? Because then that may lead you towards hiring more people that are exactly like you. So you have to be a little bit careful with that analysis. But you do want people that are, you know, you spend more time with the people that you work with than your, than your own family, like that you choose your rom romantic partners in life. You spend more time with the people you work with. So you want to have that personal connection at the end of the day because those that's another one of your kind of chosen family at the end of the day. And so totally can appreciate that, you know, how, how are people getting along and, and, and get together and really drive the, the values and the organization that you're working for. And that's, and Dustin, I know that you worked at a couple of different companies and I think I've seen the same that it's very interesting, like when you're at a conference or something the the culture on display of each organization because i i as well went through many many interviews out of my college career and i'm thankful i ended up where i did because i've met many lifelong friends i even met my spouse um at the company that i worked for but that like cultural thing is very much on display of you know the different companies and so there's a place for everybody to fit and that's okay that everything's different too so when we think about moving forward and, you know, we always like to leave with, okay, how, how do we approach this, right? We like to come up with a, with a challenge and, and how do we deal with it? 
what what kind of of, of moves do you, do you recommend that you know those that are in the the hiring manager seat, whether it's HR or a recruiter, someone doing the interviewing? What do you think is the key going forward? And when they look at their company and say, okay, I don't think they were doing a lot of these things. I wasn't even aware that maybe some of these changes had existed or that were shifting that way. What do we do about it? Yeah. So there's more things to do about it than I think that people can probably tackle all at once. And so I think that the big things are, you know, showing how your company or section of the industry provides meaning and value to an employee. Uh, Because at the end of the day, and, and this is the last point that we just touched on, is that people want connection. They want personal connection, but they also want to feel that they are contributing to the advancement of society in some way and form. Um, I know for me, my my initial why of why I joined the industry is still what's driving me today. So those that piece of connection is something that like you really need to hit on, and it's a low cost way to really make a difference in their recruiting efforts. And then it's really examining your culture of you know what does flexibility truly mean, and when we say we're flexible, are we really flexible? Because lip service, people will see right through that as well. And that's, that's going to do you point. much more harm than good. And, and it's it's transparency at the same time. Nobody wants to be lied to or feel like they got the rug pulled out. So if you're not flexible, say that too. That's okay in, cer- in certain instances. I think of commercial roles that I've had that if you're on a trading floor in a, you know, in a grain company, there's much more value in everybody being together over bearing conversations. It's very, very difficult to replicate that in a distance delivered format. So that's a job that they're, I'm sorry, it just, you won't be able to work that remote. And so if you have designs of being a cash trader, but you also say you want to be hundred percent remote, we need to reconcile that. And that's the employee needs to reconcile that as much as the employer does too. But I think those are kind of some of the biggest things to work towards is really just that transparency of like, what are you offering? And are you living that so that people, when you do say that you offer it, that they feel comfortable taking those benefits? Because at the end of the day, People are going to be more upset that they were lied to uh, or had the rug pulled out under them than if you were just kind of forthright. It's the whole parent thing. You're in much more trouble if you lie to me than if you just tell me, you know, what you did at the beginning. I, I love what I'm hearing there. And I and I think you're so right there. And, and, you know, the message I'm taking away from that is, is that, you know, embracing, embracing the idea of change, right? And that, that you need to change to attract, Absolutely. you know, kind of the best and the brightest and being flexible in what that looks like, right? Again, there's no, uh, you know, a manual particularly in today with the way the workforce is changing and, and priorities are changing. You know, again, I, I think everyone is searching for that answer out there, but I think right now the answer might just be to, to be flexible, right? Don't, don't, you know, one of the things that always drove me nuts in the, in the corporate world was the answer, well, that's because we've always done it that way. And I think if there ever was yeah. a time that we're breaking out of that mindset, it's today. And it really, really needs to happen. Absolutely. And I think to that, like appreciating people's individuality, that, the one-size-fits-all approach, while, yes, in a corporation, you have to have some standardization, meeting people where they are. You can't manage a whole team of people all exactly the same. You can't recruit a whole group of people all exactly the same. Meeting each person where they are with their individual needs. Brittany. Uh, thank you for joining us for this discussion. This has been incredibly enlightening. Uh, anytime I had a question, I think Dustin had a better one, so I just let you guys go. Um, <laughs> Brittany, is there anything you want to promote? Uh, a, a website, social media? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, 
You can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, definitely connect uh, if you'd like. Also, feel free to visit my website, cobblefieldsllc.com. Um, and if you want to get in contact, there's a form on there. I'd be happy if you reached out and can continue any conversations there or answering or any other questions. Perfect. Thank you. And we'll have those links in the show notes. Uh, Dustin, anything else you'd like to say to wrap this up? Yeah, just to say what a great what a great discussion this was. Uh, Brittany didn't disappoint. I, I knew she wouldn't, and that's why I had her on here. Really, I really appreciate her insight. And, and for all those listening out there, I think, you know, one of the things we take a lot of pride in is trying to bring you, you know, people, industry people, real world people that are going to give it to you straight. That's the whole point. You know, we want to pull the curtain back and and let you know what's going on out there. And I think the information that, that Brittany and I discussed today is going to help anyone uh, who's trying to get better out there and evolve, you know, with this with this crazy world. And so can't thank her enough for being here today and, and her insights just so valuable uh, as I knew it would be. And, and as always, uh, you know, if uh, you're interested in looking us up, you can find me on Omniag.com. Also find me under Omniag and Dustin Toberman on LinkedIn and Omniag Consulting on Instagram. And uh, always happy to answer your questions and, uh, and to talk about uh, topics that you find interesting. This has been Boot Pit to Boardroom, a podcast about opportunity in agriculture. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to catch our new episodes. Visit omni-ag.com to learn more.